We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ's likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Good morning. Uh, if you've got a Bible or a device uh, that you're not watching the live stream on and you can open up a, a Bible app, I uh, would love for you to tune in uh, with us to the book of Luke, uh, where we've been in a series looking at the life of Jesus. Uh, and, and Luke writes a gospel for us, which is a, a biographical account of Jesus' life and ministry. And he's writing uh, because he wants us to be convinced of the things that we've heard about Jesus. He wants us to see why they matter for us. And so we're continuing in the gospel of Luke, even on, on this holy week. Uh, even though we're towards the beginning of Luke still, uh, we're going to be looking at some passage, passages this week and next week that I think have some real relevance for us Uh, walking through this crazy time. And so today, uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 19. And and, and this is a crazy time. It's a hard time. It's a time in which uh, many of us are are, are dealing with a a whole number of things. Uh, We're dealing with things like sickness and loss. And even so, as we look towards the coming days, we'll probably be dealing with these things in even greater ways. We're also dealing with things like financial strain and devastation, both on an individual level and potentially even on an economic level, and we've got all these concerns around what's going to happen with our financial futures. And outside all those things, we're dealing with things like anxiety and fear that are wrapped up in those things. We're also dealing with depression and even just sheer outright boredom in the midst of isolation. You know, I've chuckled about this a few times with some different people that, you know, right now, my wife and I, we are just as busy as ever, but we are more bored than we have ever been. You know, it's, it's like whenever we're walking through something that's so unique like this where we don't have that opportunity to connect with people on a regular basis and we're not out and about all the time, it's just there's, there's some things that we begin to really wrestle with and struggle with in terms of fears, depression, just that isolation bringing about that kind of boredom. No matter how much you've got to do or how much you don't have to do, I think all of us right now are, are just bored and antsy. So we're living in some really strange, really difficult days. And what I want you to know about Jesus this morning is, is that Jesus had some hard days as well. And, and I think as we look at the life of Jesus and as we look at some of the things we'll learn this morning, I think what we'll learn is that we can deal with difficult days by relying on God. And so look with me at at Luke chapter 6. We're going to ask four questions as we go through this passage this morning. Uh, And the first one is is simply, what do we need on these hard days? Look with me at verse 12. Luke writes for us, he says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother. 
and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. So, so look with me at verse 12 there. Luke says, in, in these days, and so the days that Luke is talking about uh, had, had been some difficult days for Jesus. Jesus has been uh, doing ministry day in and day out. He's been, he's been putting in some long hours, and he's been caring for people's needs. He's been healing the sick. He's been preaching sermons and teaching the crowds. He's been calling disciples to himself. He's been doing all sorts of miracles and different things. And people keep coming because they keep having needs. And so Jesus keeps pouring himself out for the crowds, for the people. And so he's working long, hard days. And he's, he's stressed. And what he's getting is a bunch of criticism and opposition he, he, he's getting hardship and difficulty even as he's pouring himself out to bless others around him. And so Jesus, he, he's in the midst of some, some hard and difficult days where people have all sorts of problems, where they're dealing with things like sickness and loss, where they're dealing with things like anxiety and stress. And, and all these people are coming to Jesus, and Jesus is having these long, hard days. And look at what Jesus does. It says, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Jesus must have been exhausted. I mean, he's working from sunup to sundown, caring for the needs of others around him. And in, this, in the midst of these hard, long days when he's exhausted and tried, he knows that what he needs more than anything is to connect with God. What he needs more than anything is to pray, is to spend time with God in prayer. And so, so what do we need on these hard days? We need rest. When we're exhausted, when we're tired, when we're anxious, when we're depressed, when we're stressed out of our minds, when we don't know what the future holds, we certainly need rest. But we don't just need any kind of rest. We need the kind of rest that, that we can only find and that, we, that only comes from learning to rely on God by connecting with him through prayer. You see, Jesus, Jesus must have been exhausted. He must have wanted to just go to sleep. But instead, all night long, he stays up through the night after a long day of ministry, getting criticism from the Pharisees and all sorts of things happening. He continues in prayer with God all night. You see, in, in Scripture, the, the mountains were, were a place where you went up to meet with heaven, to meet with God. So we remember in the Old Testament that, that Moses met with God on top of a mountain. And so here, the Son of God, Jesus, he, he goes up on top of this mountain, and, and he, he converses with his Father. He, he prays to God, and he listens to his Father as he's even making requests. He pauses, and he listens to what God the Father has to say to him and speak into that moment. And so he, he goes up on this mountain to pray because he knows that what he needs, even, even more than sleep, is connection with God. So what we need when we're exhausted, when we're tried, is the kind of rest that comes by connecting with God in prayer. 
You see, the irony of this, though, is that this is exactly what we don't feel like doing, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're holier than I am, but, but this is what I don't feel like doing when I'm tempted and tried, when, when things are hard in life, when, when I don't know what the future holds. What I want to do is I want, my mind wants to race 1,000 miles a minute. I want to make plans. I want to figure stuff out. I want to, I, want to, I want to get the next, you know, five years of my life planned out to a T, and, and I want to figure things out for myself. The last thing that we want to do in prayer, I mean, you know, maybe you're a planner like that, or maybe you just run to rest. That's something that I do all the time as well. Maybe you check out. This is one of the things that I struggle with a lot. See, whenever I'm stressed out, whenever I don't know what the future holds, oftentimes, you know, my temptation is to just pull up Netflix and binge watch the latest TV show. You know, and I just kind of check out. Or maybe I'll, I'll listen to an audiobook. You know, one of my favorites is, is the Harry Potter series or a different fiction series. You know, I'll, I'll dive into some kind of fiction work that just kind of, you know, doesn't involve me thinking a whole lot. Maybe you just check out when things get tough, when the days are hard. You see, we're tempted to, to find ways to deal with it on our own. But what we don't realize is that God made us to be dependent on him. He made us to find our rest in him. And so prayer, this last thing that we want to spend our time and energy doing a lot of the time, is the very thing that brings the rest that we need. Is the very thing that brings the connection with God that we need to get through hard days like these. You see, we need prayer. And my temptation, too, is just to rush through prayer so, so that I can get to the real work for the day, right? So that I can actually deal with the problem. You know, I, I want to I rush through it. Uh, you know, I want to I kind of quickly throw up my request to God, and then I want to be done so I can move on and I can start figuring it out for myself. But what I've missed in that is I've missed the entire purpose of prayer, I've missed what, what Paul calls us and, and tells us to do. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the, the purpose of prayer is not just for you to quickly tell God what you want in, in hopes that he might fix something for you, Instead, the, the, the purpose of prayer is, is to lift our concerns and, and our requests to God and then to, to, to sit in that and to rely on him and to allow his peace to guard our hearts. You see, there's this connection with God that takes place in prayer. There's this relate, relating to one another. There's this speaking to God and then allowing God to speak into your heart and life. You see, commentators, they say when it talks about Jesus praying to God here, it, it, the original language, it talks about it in such a way that it, it was almost like Jesus wasn't just making requests, but he was listening. You see, and, and that's a key part of prayer. And so here's what I did yesterday when I was tempted to just rush through prayer and, and just kind of move on with the things that I needed to do for the day, you know, work on the sermon, get some things done at home and, and different things. What I did, I knew this was my temptation, so I lifted my request to God. I said, God, here's what I'm concerned about. Here's what's going on in my loved one's life. Here's, here's what my friend is dealing with right now. 
Here's what our church is walking through. And I lifted these requests and these concerns to the Lord. And then I just sat there for a few minutes. And I said, God, you know the concerns of my heart. Would you speak now? I'm listening. Would, would you guard my heart with your peace? Would you help me to rely on you in this moment? And then I just sat there. And I, I let the Lord minister to me as, as I prayed to him. You see, prayer, it's, it's not just about what you're saying. It's also about what God is saying to you. And so, you know, sometimes God, God recalls to our mind a, a verse of scripture. Sometimes we can actually have our Bible open while we're spending time with God in prayer. And, and we can read a section, then we can pause and we can pray about it. We can ask God to speak before we read the next section. And then we can ask him to, to really, uh, you know, tune in our hearts to what he's saying in such a way that it molds us and shapes us. In such a way that it, it brings us the kind of rest and peace that only comes from speaking to God about our concerns and allowing God to speak into them. You see, we need prayer just like Jesus does. Honestly, we need it even more than sleep. Now, I'm not telling you not to, not to get good sleep. I mean, there's scriptural precedent for that as well. I mean, we just talked about the Sabbath last week. But there's something about the need for Jesus, the Son of God, this, this healer, this, this master teacher. I mean, I mean Jesus' sermons, your favorite master class from your favorite author or athlete, they've got nothing on Jesus' sermons. They've got nothing on the wisdom that comes from this man's mouth. And yet Jesus, God in the flesh, the Son of God, knew that he needed prayer. So if he needed prayer like this, then how much more do you and I need it? How much more do you and I need this time spent with God where we lift our concerns to him and we allow him to speak? Where we allow the God of peace to guard our hearts rather than trying to figure it all out ourselves? Because here's the thing, we can't. You and I, we don't know what, what these hard days that we're living through right now we don't know what the other side looks like. But here's what we do know. We do know that the God who made the heavens and the earth is in control of it all, and he's ruling and reigning over all of it, and, and that he is not just transcendent, but present with us. That we can go to him, that we can speak to God. I mean, have you ever stopped and thought about what a privilege it is that, that God allows us to speak to him? He's the king. Through his son, he allows us into the throne room before the throne of grace that we can bring our request to him. That's a great privilege, a mercy, and a grace. And then even more so, not just that God allows us to speak to him, but he speaks to us. The God who made everything, he speaks to us. 
speaks to us through his word. His spirit reminds us of the things that are true and, and he helps us as we walk through difficult days like these. So what do we need on hard days like these? We need the kind of rest that only comes from learning to rely on God by connecting with him through prayer. Uh, the next question I want us to see here is, is not just what do we need on these hard days, but, but who does Jesus choose? Who does Jesus choose and then who does he send? You see, look, look with me at, at this band of, of the 12 that Jesus calls here. It says in verse 13, and when day came, after Jesus had spent this whole night in prayer with God, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. So here's what we see happening here. Jesus has a number of disciples. So oftentimes you and I, when we read scripture, we think Jesus had 12 disciples and those 12 disciples became the apostles. But in reality, Jesus had a lot of followers because he was performing miracles. He was preaching incredible sermons. He was doing amazing things. And so all sorts of people wanted to follow this man. In fact, you know, when we, when we come to Palm Sunday, when we talk about this day that we're celebrating today, when you read those accounts in the Gospels, what you see is as Jesus is riding into the city on a donkey, symbolizing that he was a king coming in peace and to bring about peace, that there's all sorts of people who are laying down their garments, laying down palm branches. They're, 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 they're preparing the way for the king as he comes into the city to bring God's peace. And so there's all sorts of people who, who knew about Jesus, who wanted to follow Jesus, who, who wanted to know what he was about. And Jesus here, out of all the disciples who had been following him, he chose from those disciples 12 of them. So he has this whole group and he picks 12. And he calls those 12 apostles, which simply means sent ones. The apostles are, are messengers that have an authority to carry out a mission. They have the authority to, to bring the witness to what they've been called to say, what they've been called to do. So Jesus chooses 12 of them. Well, when we read that Jesus chose 12, we ought to think about the Old Testament, where God chose his people Israel and the 12 sons of Jacob became representatives of this people that God had chosen for himself. And this people was meant to be a witness to the world of who their God is, who their God was, what he had done for them. You see, God's plan has always been to, through a chosen people, spread the knowledge of his glory and his grace throughout the earth. And so God, in the Old Testament, he chooses Israel, he sets his love on them, and, and there's 12 sons of Israel who kind of represent the people of God. And then, when Jesus comes on the scene to bring about this new covenant relationship between God and man, he chooses 12 apostles because what this is signifying to us is that Jesus is bringing about this new Israel, this new covenant people of God. You see, the people that Jesus is, uh, is, is choosing, is loving, is calling, and then sending out, they are the new covenant people of God. 
You see, the old covenant people of God, the old Israel, they, they, they continually rebelled against God and, and failed to keep his precepts and his commands. And then, and then that exposed kind of our need for the new covenant, right? That God would send a Messiah, a Savior, to stand in our place and bear our sins on a Roman cross that we might, by turning from sin and trusting in him alone, not in ourselves, not in our ability to have things figured out, by trusting in him, We could be reconciled to God. We could have this connection that we so desperately need and the life that comes from it, from knowing God through Christ. You see, Jesus is choosing 12 apostles because he's he's bringing about this new covenant people of God that's going to last forever. So if Jesus is, is choosing 12 apostles, he's only got 12, he's got 12 picks, and, and he's about to, to start this amazing work. He's bringing about the work of the new covenant. This people's going to dwell with God forever. Then you would think that, you know, maybe he would pick some guys that, like, really knew their Bibles, you know, that really knew the Old Testament well, that really knew the scriptures, and, and, and you know, they were pretty intelligent and could communicate and teach and, you know, all these things. You would, you would think that that's kind of what Jesus would go for. That's what the Pharisees thought as well, right? But instead, Jesus chooses misfits, screw-ups, and nobodies like you and me. You see, Jesus chooses Peter. Peter, if you remember, he was a fisherman when Jesus called Peter to follow him. And then we see throughout the Gospels that that Peter is honestly a bit of a fool, like, he just continually blunders and trips over his own feet, and, and he just makes stupid comments here and there, and, and he just continues to, to miss the point a lot. And so, so Peter, he chooses Peter, and Peter ends up being the leader of the early church. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you're, you're the rock on which I'm going to build my church. Peter becomes the leader of the early church in the book of Acts. When this thing really kicks off and, and, and God starts saving people left and right, Peter is at the center of it, leading the church. And Peter was a, a foolish fisherman. And you think about Andrew, Peter's brother, who was, I mean, he was the fool's brother. He was a fisherman as well. You think about James and John, they were these prideful and arrogant brothers who, 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 you know, I mean, in one account, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, can we have the spots at your right and left hand when we're in glory, when we're in heaven? Can, I, can we have those, those most honored spots? And then in another account, they send their mom to do it for them. And they're so prideful and arrogant that they're, they're missing the point of all the things that Jesus is teaching, that, that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And so the, the way of the kingdom is actually through humility, not pride. So he chooses these prideful, arrogant brothers. And he chooses Matthew. We've talked about Matthew a little bit all right, uh, already. Matthew was a tax collector who took advantage of people. Everybody hated these guys. They were, they were the worst they, they, were, they were the people who, who, who everybody hated because they, they stole from people. They, they took from people. They abused their power, and they took from people more than they were required to give. And so Matthew, he's a tax collector. He's a sinner. 
Then there's, there's Thomas, doubting Thomas. This, this guy is known for his doubts about the resurrection, right? We're, we're about to, to celebrate the resurrection next week on Sunday. And in fact, as Christians, we celebrate the resurrection every day, but, you know, we do a, a, a big thing on Easter, right? But Thomas, Thomas wouldn't believe the resurrection until he touched Jesus, until he could put his finger in the holes that the nails made till he could see with his own eyes. It's a doubting Thomas. In fact, Thomas goes on to provide hope for doubters everywhere, right? Whenever we have skepticism questions, when we're not sure about something, you know, I mean, Thomas gives us great hope because Jesus chose to love and call Thomas to serve him. And so in the midst of our doubts, We can be encouraged that Jesus calls people like this. He calls Simon the Zealot. Zealots were were kind of hot-headed and potentially violent religious fanatics. And so Jesus calls a guy like Simon the Zealot. Maybe had an angry problem and, and maybe even a little bit violent. And then he calls Judas Iscariot. Knowing that Judas is going to become a traitor. That Judas is going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. You see, Jesus calls this man who's going to betray him. See, there's something we can learn from Judas, though. You know, most of the time we read through and we're like, oh, Judas, you know, and even when someone, like, wrongs us in life, we say, oh, yep, you're just the Judas, you know, and we think we're not like that. You know, it's almost like we're, we're praying to God and we're saying, thank God I'm not like this man, like the Pharisees pray. And, and so we, we tend to think there's, there's not a whole lot we can learn from Judas, but there really is. You see, we can learn from Judas that, that us, you and I, doing all the religious things, following all the routines, doing all the things that everyone else is doing, reading our Bible, going to church, doing all these things, praying our prayers, you know, doing all these religious things, we can learn that that does not necessarily mean that we actually love or have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, you can be the most religious person in the world and spend an eternity in hell. It's quite a shocking statement, isn't it? What do you, what do you mean, Pastor Grant? I mean that religious ritual does not give you right relationship with God. That's not what it's about. That's what, the, that's what the Pharisees were trusting in. They were trusting in their own abilities, right? They were trusting in their own righteousness and their own ability to keep the law. And in fact, that's what you and I often do is we trust in our own abilities when we're stressed out, when we don't know the future, when we don't know what's going to happen, when we're walking through something like a global pandemic. We're tempted to rely on our own abilities and, and our own abilities to, to get through this thing. But the Bible is constantly trying to get us to throw ourselves on the mercy of God and the grace of God and to realize that relationship with God only comes by his grace. And it's only received by faith. You see, even, even Old Testament saints that, that, that truly knew the Lord trusted in God's grace. They looked forward to the coming of Jesus the Messiah knowing that they could not possibly measure up to the law, that they could not be good enough. 
You see, we, we can learn from Jesus, or from Judas, sorry, that religious ritual doesn't mean relationship with God, that, that doing all the things that everyone else is doing means nothing to God unless you actually love him and know him. And the only, only way to know and love God is by throwing yourself on the mercy and grace of Christ, is by coming to know Jesus and acknowledging that you need a savior. You need someone who can pull you up out of the muck and the mire. You need someone who will stand in your place and take the punishment that you deserve. You need someone who will die on a cross for you and take it for you that you might have relationship with God forever through the resurrection. You see, so we can learn from Judas as well. But then, look, you know, we've kind of listed out some of these disciples, some of the more well-known apostles. But then there's these other guys, Philip, Bartholomew, James, and, and the other Judas. I mean, how unfortunate would that be that, like, you know, I mean, for eternity, like, you're, you're in the scriptures, and, and your name's Judas, and there was this other Judas, and, like, all the time people are wondering, is that the same dude or not? I mean, this would not be the name that you would want. <laughs> but there's another Judas in here who we don't know much about. Okay? So there's all these guys, and, and he asks, what's significant about them? Exactly. Absolutely nothing. There is nothing significant about these men. That's the point. This is not Jesus picking the B team instead of the A team. This is not him picking even the C team. This is him going to the kids who didn't even try out because they couldn't make the C team and saying, yeah, I want you and you're going to be my starting five. Jesus chooses misfits, screw-ups, and nobodies. And that's good news for you and me because that's us. We're misfits. We're screw-ups. We're nobodies. And Jesus wants us. He wants, God wants relationship with you. But he also wants to use you. He wants to send you out with a message of hope and peace that the world needs desperately right now. He wants to send you out with the good news of the gospel of Christ. He wants to use you and me. Misfits, screw-ups, nobodies. He wants you and he wants to use you and work through you for the glory of his name and the spread of the knowledge of his grace throughout the earth. He wants to use us. So who does Jesus choose to send? He chooses to send misfits, screw-ups, and nobodies like you and me. Thirdly, what does God do for his people? Look with me at 17 through 19. Here's what Luke writes for us. It says, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and he healed them all. You see, here's what we need to know about God and what God does for his people. God gets down on our level to bring us up to himself. He comes down to reconcile us to himself. You see, we noted that people would go up to the mountaintops, to high places, to, to try and get an audience with heaven, to try and get an audience with God, to speak with God and to hear from God. 
Mountains were where people went to meet with God because mountains were where heaven met earth. And what we see in the person and work of Jesus Christ is that the God of the heavens, the God of the mountaintops, doesn't expect us to work our way up to him, but instead he comes down to us. See, I, I love this story that David Platt tells. He, he tells the story of this one mission trip he was on. He was, he was talking with a, a couple other guys that were from differing faiths. They, they weren't Christians. They were from other faiths. And I think one of them was a Muslim and maybe one was a, a Jew. And, and he was talking with them. And they were discussing faith and, and relationship with God and, and the way their religions worked. And so this Christian pastor, David Platt, he, he's talking with these guys and, and, and they're trying to make the case that really all our religions are the same. You know, there's, the, there's these kind of ways that we find to connect with God and have relationship with him. There's all these rules, there's these things that you're supposed to do, things that you're not supposed to do. And, and, and it's kind of a man, we have different manuals, but, you know, we're trying to connect with the same God. And it's really all the same. Okay? That's what they were trying to tell him. And so... David said, well, let me, let me explain to you the, the difference between Christianity and all other world religions. And, he sa- and they say, okay. And so he says, okay, so, so what you're talking about is kind of, you know, there's this God of the mountaintops, and, and he's at the top. And, and we're all just trying to get, work our way up to God, and we're just going on different sides of the mountain and working our way up different paths, right? And they're saying, yes, exactly. It's, it's all the same. And he says, well, what if I told you that the God that was on top of the mountain didn't require us to work our way up to him, but instead he came down to rescue us? And he said, that would be amazing. And he said, that's the gospel. That is what makes Christianity different from every other religion or philosophy in the world is that God came down to us. He gets on our level. You see, Jesus, he comes down from this mountain. He stands on this level place with people. This is God in the flesh. This is the the son of God who's eternal. He's taken on flesh, and he's come to be with his people, to stand in their place, to be on the same level with them. It's, it's like a, a, a dad who loves his kids, and, and to be with them, he gets down on the floor, and he plays with them just so he can be with them. This is the kind of love that our God has for us. He doesn't stand on top of the mountain and watch us try and struggle our way up to him and, and climb and fall and then try and climb some more. Instead, he comes down and he brings us up to himself. He rescues us. He gets on our level like a dad who loves his kids. See, you see, that God is incredible. That God is amazing. That God is transcendent and imminent. That God is, is holy and gracious. That God rules over the cosmos and yet he's present with us. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God of Palm Sunday. This is the God of the cross. This is the God of the resurrection. This is the one true God. So what does God do for his people? He gets down on our level to bring us up to himself. 
He comes to rescue us. Finally, our, our last question from this passage. What are you doing to draw near to Jesus? What are you doing to draw near to God? You see, God, he comes down and he gets on our level. And you see in verse 18, there's tremendous hope in, in knowing God through Jesus. Because here's the thing. Jesus has power to deal with our troubles. It says, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. This is throughout the Gospels. Jesus is, is healing the sick. He's, he, he is performing miracles. He is, is teaching people the way to know God. And, and, and he can deal with our troubles too. Jesus has the power that we need. Jesus has what we need. Jesus is who we need. Jesus has the power to deal with your physical troubles. In the midst of a, a worldwide pandemic in which we are, are terrified and afraid of sickness and, and of death, and in which we see these things all around us, Jesus has the power over death itself. Jesus can deal with our physical limitations and our problems. You know, the, these last few weeks I've been praying for a, a, a friend of mine whose, whose son is in the hospital and they just realized when all this stuff was starting that he had brain cancer. And so as this worldwide pandemic was, was starting, they found out their seven or eight-year-old little boy had cancer. He had to have surgery, brain surgery, risky surgery. And, and he, he's, he's having to start this whole radiation and chemo process and all, and all these different things are happening. And, and their world is just turned upside down. But I have seen a kind of faith in them through all of that suffering that I hope in the midst of my own God is gracious enough to give me. Because here's what they know. They know, even as they weep together, even as they plead with God, they, they plead with God because they know that Jesus has the power over life and death and he can deal with our physical infirmities, with our illnesses. And, and, and if he chooses not to do so now, that trusting in him, it brings a real physical life for eternity. That's the hope of the resurrection that we're talking about next week, that, that Jesus was bodily raised from the grave and that all who trust in him, it's not just they experience a spiritual resurrection, but that's certainly true, but also one day we'll be given renewed and restored bodies that sickness and death cannot touch. They'll be glorified and perfected. You see, Jesus has the power of a life and death. He has the power to deal with our physical infirmities. He also can deal with our spiritual problems, our economic and financial problems. Jesus is sovereign over all. He has the power to deal with our financial struggles. He holds all the resources in the world. He may not give us what we want, but he knows our needs better than we do. Right now, you might be going through loss of, of finances. You might, you might have lost hours at your job. You might have lost your job entirely. I spoke with a, a friend of mine just yesterday that uh, her, her husband had, had lost his job. And, 
I mean, just godly, godly people going through struggle right now. That's a lot of us. A lot of us don't know what the future holds financially for us. But we know the God who holds the future. You see, what we need, friends, on these hard and difficult days, we, we need to rely on God in prayer. God owns all the resources in the world and he does with them what he wishes to do. And he doesn't answer all of our questions, but we know the things that are true about him and we know that he's really our only hope. Because you and I, we can't get this thing figured out. Sure, we can do some things to, to slow the spread and, and you ought to be doing those things. We're doing this because we're trying to, to slow the spread right now. We're not meeting in person because we're trying to slow the spread of this thing. We're trying to, to, to do our part and we're listening to medical experts and, and our, our officials and, and different things. And, and we ought to do all those things. But in the end, God is the one that we have to rely on. God is the only one who brings an end to something like this. God is the only one who can sustain us through it who can lead us in it, and who can help us to rely on him. We, we have to go to God in prayer in hard days like these. We need connection with God. If, if Jesus needed to spend time in prayer, then how much more do you and I? And, and Paul, in his writings in Philippians 4, he promised us that if we'll lift our concerns to God and we'll, we'll spend time in prayer with thanksgiving, thanking God for what he's already done, what he is doing now, because he is at work now, friend, then the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in, did you hear that? In Christ Jesus. You see, so this God who comes down to us is who we need. And so the question is, what are you doing to draw near to Jesus? Jesus can deal with our physical problems. He can deal with our spiritual problems like sin and, and even things like anxiety and depression and anger and, and these things we wrestle with in life. Jesus can deal with our financial and economic problems. Jesus holds the world in his hands and yet enters into the world to be with us and reconcile us to himself. So what are you doing to draw near to him? When was the last time you honestly just sat down and, and opened this book up for yourself and began to read and, and said, God, would you just teach me? Would you help me to see things as you see them? Would you help me to walk with you in this hard time? When was the last time you, you just spent some time sitting and asking God to speak and then just listening? Just sitting and listening. Maybe even you, you sit down in, in your favorite chair or, or even lay on, on your bed later today and, and you lean back and as you lean back physically, you think about how during this time you have to lean back on the Lord. You need to rest in God and ask God to carry you through. Ask God to speak to your soul 
ask God to work in you during this time, and then you just, you lean back and you listen, and you let him work. Maybe, maybe you're unsure about Christianity. Maybe you're tuning in, and, and you're not even sure why you've watched this whole thing. But something's kept you here. If that's you, man, we'd love to talk with you. If, if you still have questions, if you want somebody to pray for you, we would love to do that. Would you send us a message or, or, or reach out to us, contact us in some way? You, know, you, can, you can message me or Pastor Cameron on Facebook. We'd love to connect with you. And we'd love to pray with you, talk with you if we can. Maybe this is the day where Jesus is calling you to be his disciple. And so what are you going to do to draw near to him and lean on him? Because Jesus is who we need for hard days like these, friends. And so how will you spend these days learning to rely on him and teaching others to do the same? Let's pray. Father God, we are in desperate need of you. God, you hold the world in your hands and yet you've sent your son and entered into it to rescue us, to reconcile us to yourself through the blood of Christ. And in his resurrection, we have life and hope everlasting. So God, help us to see today. God, we pause and we just ask, God, would you speak? Would you speak to our hearts and our minds? God, we lift our concerns to you right now and and we leave them with you. And we ask that you would help us to rest in Christ knowing that in Christ the peace of God guards us. And so in days when we're stressed and anxious, when we don't know what the future holds, we look to you, we lean into you, we rely on you, so help us to do just that. Because God, even for that, we need your grace and your mercy and your strength and your help. Jesus, you said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and so God, we do that now. Teach us to rely on you and to walk with you. It's in your glorious, gracious, beautiful, and amazing name we pray.